Shalom and welcome to Rivkush, the CJN podcast featuring conversations with Jews of color discussing all things Jewish. My guest today is Matthew Fernandez Konisberg. He is a lawyer with an international law firm, and he focuses on international business risk ethics and corporate compliance. Before he was at the firm, he was appointed to be a special counsel for ethics, risk, and compliance in the New York State Governor's Office. That is something that we are going to have to talk about. He is also a major contributor and leader in the Latino community. He also held leadership, fellowship, and educator roles within the Jewish and pro-Israel world. That's an incredible bio. Well, you came, you came highly recommended, I must say. So I'm excited to dive in. So let's talk a little bit about your work life. So obviously, as, as people have heard, you are a lawyer. I have questions. <laughs> I have questions for you. <laughs> So you're on the hot seat, lawyer. Um, <laughs> I have questions for you. First of all, what exactly was, is your role? Like you seem to do um, ethics and, and risk and compliance. Um, can you explain what that means? And also tell me what it was like to be the, a special counsel for the governor's office. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, yeah, I'll just dive right in. So, uh, I became a lawyer uh, a number of years ago, and uh, I began my career litigating, which is uh, sort of where I, I made my bones, I, how I trained. Uh, but I've since moved away from being a litigator. I worked at the governor's office in New York State. Uh, I was one of many special counsels uh, that reported to the governor's office, and we had a number of uh, agencies that we were uh, that we worked with. Uh, for me, it was the Department of State, the Gaming Commission, the Athletic Commission. And, uh, and, and the Council on the Arts. That was a, a very exciting job. Uh, things have gotten hot over there since I've, I've left. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Understatement. Uh, look, yeah, I learned a lot about, um, you know, just to, not to be funny or anything, I learned a lot about uh, how to handle risk uh, when it's presented mm -hmm. to you. And that can come from the press, that can come from the citizenry, the, the residents of the state. That can come from uh, freedom of information uh, uh, requests. You know, you can learn about what the, the folks care about by what they write in their letters to you, what they write in the papers about you, what people are blogging about and podcasting about. And uh, we just tried to stay ahead of things. Um, always and tried. What I tried to do was always make sure we were we were running everything with the highest integrity, uh, keeping ethics in mind. And when you're a public uh, employee. And you're and you're running agencies and you're working with the governor. You have a, a high standard of ethics you're supposed to uphold. So that was that was very important to me. It still is. Mm -hmm. uh, and I and I, I I did investigations and and I also uh, worked with my cohort of fellows to try to fix some statewide problems. New York State is a very large state. It's bigger than some countries. I worked there for a number of years and then I I moved on to uh, a very uh, a large international law firm where I am right now, and. Uh, and I do a lot of the same type of work, but it's a little different because basically I'm a lawyer to lawyers. Okay. Uh, ev everybody needs a lawyer. So uh, basically uh, it's a large law firm. They do business all around the world. And uh, I, I help with the internal risk. In my other life, I would have loved to have been a lawyer. I find law like crazy fascinating. Um, almost yeah, almost obsessively so, I'll, I'll confess. Right? <laughs> Anyways, um, let's talk about you, you personally. So how do you define yourself as a Latino Jew, as a Jew of color? Um, and tell me a little bit about growing up Jewish. How was that for you? I'm Jewish and I'm also uh, Puerto Rican. Uh, both my parents are Jewish, but my father's from, uh, I guess, the, the families from the Ukraine-Poland area originally. They've been in the country for more than 100 years. And um, and my, my mother's family uh, is from San Juan, Mayaguez. And uh, that family stems from partially Corsica, partially the, the Canary Islands, the Canarios, and a few other places, including the Philippines. Uh, okay. uh, and, and, and my Puerto Rican family, uh, they, they've been, they had been on the islands for, for a while uh, before um, my, my grandparents came to the Bronx in the, in the, in the 40s to, uh, you know, to the mainland to uh, just better, you know, 
better jobs, better living conditions, and, and they wanted to do that. And my grandfather uh, worked at Con Edison uh, and was one of, I think, one of the first Latino employees that had a pretty uh, decent job uh, uh, as, an en- as, a, as, a, as a mechanical engineer. So uh, what was it like growing up uh, Puerto Rican Jewish? Uh, yes. I, grew up in Rock- I grew up in Rockland County. Uh, there's a good amount of Jews in Rockland County. Grew up in a town called New City. Where is that in relation to New York City? Like, because remember, Canadian sure. here. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's twenty miles ish uh, north of the, the the city. Okay, gotcha. Uh, on the other on the other side of the Hudson River, so on the Jersey side, if you if you just go a little north from the city on the Jersey side of the Hudson River, it turns into New York. Okay. Uh, so that's that's pretty much where I grew up. Judaism was very important, uh, certainly culturally, certainly historically. And uh, and observant and religious in a religious manner in a in a conservative type background. I, I don't mean conservative like uh, conservative politicians, as you, you know. Mean conservative, conservative like conservative Jewish. Yeah, exactly. Conservative yeah. Jewish, and and and, <laughs> uh-huh. and 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 at times we also went and we also went to a reform synagogue. So it was really the town was uh, a bit of a mishmash. Uh, didn't grow up around a lot of Orthodox folks though. But I but you know later that changed. Uh, what was it like? Uh, it was. I mean, it was. Uh, it's kind of like the book, The Joys of Yiddish, that I, my grandfather used to read. There are many joys, many uh, rich experiences you can have being Jewish, especially if it's from, uh, I guess the term is uh, in America, not strictly an Ashkenazi or Ashkenazi normative background. Even though I did grow up Ashkenazi, it wasn't the same as, as some of my neighbors. Uh, like we used to go to Puerto Rico once or twice a year. Uh, uh, I grew up. Uh, you know, I still have a lot of family and friends on the island, uh, very connected. So I think of Puerto Rico as my homeland, the same way I think of Israel as my homeland. And I, and I, and I have strong feelings for both, uh, and, and I'm heartened by both and the people there and their resilience and um, just everything that they have to go through to survive. And in some ways, they have similarities that people don't necessarily see off the bat. Uh, so growing up, you know, Hebrew school, but at the same time, uh, you know, I used to go to the Bronx to visit my grandparents a couple of times a month um, and then learning about Puerto Rican culture uh, mm-hmm. from folks that uh, were still living on the island uh, when I would go there. So it was a rich environment. Uh, it, you know, imagine, you know, uh, it, was, it was, you know, our Passover seders were different than others. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd sometimes speak Spanish. Sometimes we'd bring in Ladino, not because we're Sephardic, but just because it, it, it made sense. Uh, and it right. connected, it connected our uh, sort of the, not from a Jewish tradition, but more just, just American cultural tradition. It made sense to bring in Spanish, to bring in Spanish dishes. Uh, and uh, it's been very rich and amazing. And then, uh, and then I, uh, and then I went to college and, and sort of uh, just, just really opened my mind to uh, more what was out there uh, with, with Judaism. I, there weren't any other Latino Jews in my town that, mm-hmm. and if they were, they weren't, they weren't really taking it all in, if you know what I mean. Sometimes people choose, make a choice that they think they have to make between what appears to be different identities. Right. And uh, there could be all sorts of reasons for that. Some of them are innocent. Some of them have nothing to do with them. It could be that the parents didn't get along or something happened, so they're just they just didn't get the benefit of both sort of twenty four seven at home. So one sort of stands out a lot more than the other. That wasn't the case for me. It was it was uh, I would say hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, being a Puerto Rican, awesome. being being a Jew, being an American. Awesome. Yeah, because you know, I know that sometimes, sometimes some of us do feel like we have to pick, choose, decide whether it's like, are you black and Jamaican today or are you Jewish today? Kind of thing. And 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 sometimes we're forced to to pick. So from what I'm understanding, um, similar to Jamaica, Puerto Rico has a rich history um, of Judaism, which which may be a surprise to some people, not a surprise to those of us whose roots are in the, not in North America per se. Um, what I also, so I'd like to hear more about the Judaism on in Puerto Rico, but also for my own edification, because not being from the United States, and I shouldn't even just say not being from the United States, because I'm sure there are Americans who don't understand how Puerto Rico fits in in terms of the United States. Um, I especially noticed 
last year during, you know, when people were um, filming quote unquote Karens, there was, there were people complaining when they saw the Puerto Rican flag and saying, ah, get out of here. This is the, this is the United States and blah, 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 not recognizing where Puerto Rico fits in. So if you could, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, and what complicated matters, because I saw an article was the recent Olympics, because people were like, but if they're part of the United States, then why do they have their own team? And there was all these questions. So if you could explain to me, the relationship between Puerto Rico and the United States, I recognize it's a territory. Yes. And what does that mean? Sure. So I'm just gonna I'm just going to say I'm not an expert, though I, I I'm very involved in in the area. Uh, well, I mean it's a Commonwealth of of the United States, so they've been everyone in Puerto Rico and their parents and grandparents and and likely their great grandparents have been American citizens and are American citizens. Uh, every, uh, it's been more than a hundred years since um, Puerto Rico has been part legally of the United States. Uh, but they're not a state. They're treated as it's essentially uh, a colony. Okay. Uh, it's called a com- it's called a commonwealth. Uh, and uh, they're they're entitled to the Constitution applies there. American money is used there. Uh, uh, freedom of movement. It's not you know, it's not leaving the, the United States. You don't need a passport to go there. Uh, but there are many differences. Uh, the fact that it's not a state, it's not doesn't get anywhere near the type of funding that it should if it was a state mm. or investment in any way from the federal government. Um, and, and that's a major issue that is, is we're talking about it right now. Uh, there are many people that have different views and, and ideas about what can be done to uh, properly you know, decolonize Puerto Rico and, and what would be the next step and what would be uh, pragmatic. Uh, some people call for independence, mm-hmm. which essentially would mean you know, you're free Puerto Rico, you're your own country in all ways. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, first of all, that's 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 generally and always been, has been the minority opinion, and it's a small minority opinion. Uh, and especially on the island, it's a it's a big minority opinion. You might meet Puerto Ricans from the diaspora that are a little more into it, but uh, when you go to the island, that's usually not what you hear. Is and when they do their referendum votes every couple of years, um, it, it only usually gets a small percentage. There's the status quo, which is staying a colony, staying a commonwealth, and some folks, for different reasons, are okay with that. Uh, they, maybe life is all right. There's federal jobs there, uh, and but it usually involves people that, um, for one way or another, have, have have a higher standard of living than the rest of the island. The rest of the island uh, is is when you talk about the majority island uh, is is not necessarily living in a very great condition. Their infrastructure is is not good. Uh, their you know their electrical grid, the bridges, just the systems, the education system. Uh, there's a lot of investment that I personally think the United States government. Uh, must has an obligation to 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 give. Uh, so then, a, a bunch of us believe in uh, in the statehood, in that Puerto Rico should become the 51st state. It's a very controversial thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a bipartisan position on in, in right now. Uh, but you have uh, a strong my uh, and and recently the Puerto Rican people voted for it. Uh, so uh, one would say that Congress has a mandate to make Puerto Rico the 51st state. Uh, and I, I would like to see that, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, because I think that would lead to the greatest uh, uh, potential for progress in the future for 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 the Puerto Rican people who I care who I care very deeply for. Yeah. So right like now, it. right now, yeah, right now it's tough over there. They they they're still uh, have trouble from Hurricane Hurricane Maria and 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 pri- and hurricanes since then and corruption mm-hmm. and 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 bankruptcy, financial issues, and there's a million problems there. Uh, but I think. You know, it, one thing's for sure that I think everyone agrees with is that Congress has the obligation to 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 provide a lot more oversight, financial oversight, and a lot more money uh, to to watch it and to to, right. to make sure it's in compliance and used. Uh, and that's not happening. What's it life like over there? I I, I didn't grow up in Puerto Rico, so I can only just tell you what from, I know from your from, visits from visiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From your uh, it's it's you know I'll just uh, it's it's. It's beautiful. Uh, we, my my grandfather used to have a house in Carolina, which is uh, close to the airport in San Juan, and it's a it's a warm, beautiful place. Uh, and and then we also uh, later in life uh, we, we we still have have a residence in Luquillo, and uh, and that is on the beach. It's beautiful. Nice it's the kind of pictures you'd expect. The Jewish community there uh, is is probably the newest of the Jewish communities 
in in the whole Caribbean Antilles. Uh, Jamaica has a much, much older Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has to do with uh, the fact of the Spanish Inquisition. Correct. And basically, uh, the Jews leaving Spain weren't going to Spanish islands. They were going to Dutch islands. Makes they sense. They were going to French islands because yeah. the, the laws would apply. So exactly. places like Jamaica, Barbados, um, Antigua have very old Jewish communities that go very deep. Uh, Puerto Rico, and, and then there's Cuba as well. My wife is Cuban, so I know a lot about it. They still have a strong Jewish community there. But in Puerto Rico, it's a little newer. Uh, but they have, uh, when you go to San Juan, there's a Chabad there was very active. There's a reform synagogue that we like a lot in San Juan. It's a very warm place. It's a great place to go for, for synagogue uh, you know, Friday night. Uh, and, and also there's a conservative shul that was started by Israelis and Cubans. And oh, that place awesome. is fun too. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, and, that's, uh, and, that's, and that's a nice place too. And they're smaller, uh, I guess you would call like prayer groups around the right. country. So I know Mayaguez has, uh, if they, I'm not sure they still do, but they used to have a small Jewish community over there. Uh, so uh, it does, in Puerto Rico, there's plenty of Jewish people there now, especially uh, businessmen and people who choose to live there. But uh, it's not as old and, you know, you know, the 16, 1700s, 1800s that you could say all the other Dutch islands and Jamaica and the other islands right. that really it's, it's been uh, it, that, that has a uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of history. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it's quite a thriving and active Jewish community, just even when you talk about the different pockets. I mean, that is awesome. You know, when I go to Jamaica, it's pretty much like two places. It's either Jewish community in Montego Bay, where Chabad is located, or Kingston, where which is where the only synagogue is. You don't hear too much about small Minyanim anywhere else in the island. It's very concentrated. Um, and it's, it's interesting to me that I was listening to the terminology that you used in terms of Puerto Rico, and it's funny because when it comes to Israel, one of the the tropes that you hear often is Israel, Israel, the colonizers of people and this and that. And you, you hear that trope coming out of the North America, out of Americans, Canadians. And I, I sit here and I think, I was thinking to myself, wow, the irony, they actually, the Americans actually have a colony that they're treating like a lower class colony and not taking responsibility for their island. And I'm going to be snarky, their island of brown people and and doing right by them, but have a tendency to throw stones at others. You know, it's that fix your house first, fix your house first. You have a colony, you're colonizers for crying out loud, you know, modern day. You're not going to, you're not going to see an argument with me. Yeah, I guess what not. You said, um, I, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I have lots of ideas, just like many Puerto Ricans do about what America can do to fix the, the condition of the over 3 million citizens. American citizens that live on Puerto Rico. They right now they are not treated as full citizens, even though they have that right. So uh, whether you're for statehood or you're for something else, I think there's agreement that uh, they are in a in in a in a bit of a second class position, which Sounds needs like to it. change. It's Sounds not like it's it. not right. It's not right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, Sounds, just like any just like any other country, you know, we we have to see the problems at home. Absolutely. Uh, that's a big problem at home is is fixing the lives of, of the Puerto Ricans on the island. You do also a lot of work with um, Jewish stuff, pro-Israel work, um, including the connection between Latinos, the Latino slash Jewish work. Um, I, I always hesitate when I say that because I don't want it to sound like they're separate. It's like that whole argument around why black and Jewish as opposed to, you know, black and Jewish, if I'm making any sense, like we tend to I say know exactly. Latino, I Jewish. Know it's, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like clearly, know, yeah. hmm? sorry. No, I know exactly what you're saying. I, yeah. I, so I think, I think we can just, we can, uh, we can agree <laughs> that uh, there are plenty of black Jews, plenty of Latino Jews Lots now and in history. Lots and uh but but what we're talking about are the greater communities that often aren't Jewish. Right. Uh, so so we're talking about uh, reaching out to the greater communities, and and we 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 accept wholeheartedly that there are already proud, strong, and important mem- Jewish members of all these communities already. Uh, look, I've 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 been so I've 
I, I guess when you talk about like life missions and passions, yes. uh, uh, ever since college, which is sort of when, when I sort of had the opportunity to be a leader, uh, I have been trying to create meaningful partnerships, engagement, uh, coalitions, consensus uh, between uh, communities of color, uh, other minority communities, and, and the greater Jewish community, uh, which, you know, in America usually is, uh, in terms of numbers, Ashkenazi, uh, though uh, those, th- those things are changing every day. Uh, that has come up in different ways. Uh, when I was in college, I, create, I, I, I spent half my time at Hillel and half my time at the Multicultural Student Center. And we created uh, uh, a Multicultural Student Center slash Hillel Women's Book Club, wow. where, where we read a book about something that had to do with being Jewish. And then we read a book uh, about, about uh, uh, another culture. And sometimes we read the books that exist. We, we all know what they are that, that have already been written about being Black and Jewish, Brown and Jewish, Asian and Jewish. Right. Uh, so it started in, 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 those, in those areas. And then in law school, the same thing. I was part of the Latin American Law Students Association and president of the Jewish Law Association. And and it's here's the thing. And I think this is the thing that everyone thinks is so difficult, but I don't think it's difficult. Okay. It's you have to be you, you can't you can't just show up in somebody's community one day and say, let's do something together. I mean, you can, but that's the beginning of a relationship. You, you can't you can't think that immediately anyone's going to uh, respond in the way you want or be as, or even know where you're coming from or even understand the issues you're bringing up. It takes time. It takes years. It takes, it takes investment of time. So when people talk about doing things, uh, uh, doing, let's say you want to do an event with a community where there's just not a lot of Jews in that community and and you think it's important. Uh, So you can't just show up there and, and like a stranger, Mm -hmm. people need to get out there. And they need to they need to get out of. So if I'm talking to Jews, I would say you have to you have to do be in the Jewish organizations, be in the Zionist pro-Israel organizations, and then you need to spend a lot of time in other community organizations about things that you care about. So right. whether it's the homeless or food, making sure food is accessible, or you name the issue. Uh, that is where you're going to meet kindred folk. That's where you're going to meet people that you can because they now know you and they trust you in some way and you have a common goal. Those are the people that might listen to you and give you their ear on what you think is important in the Jewish community, whether it's the rise of anti-Semitism or the, the double standard uh, placed uh, on the state of Israel and just, just, the, just the plain unfairness that you see every day in, uh, in the rhetoric and in the mainstream media, whatever the issue is. Uh, you, it's, it's not fair to the other community, to the other folks, to just show up and, and, and demanding. So instead, we have to spend a lot of time honestly and, uh, you know, building our true bona fides and doing it in, a, in an honest way, not doing it for the result, doing it because you actually care about these issues. And, 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 and when somebody sees that you have something in common already, you have their ear, and then you can have a conversation saying, I'd like to talk to you about anti-Semitism. This is something I'm working on right now in New York City. Uh, because I've, I, I have uh, some great connections and, and friendships, uh, as I'm the past uh, president of the Hispanic National Bar Association, the New York region, region two. And I've been involved in some of the other bar associations as well. I know a lot of folks who have a lot of influence and are thought leaders. So when I saw the incredible spike and rise of anti-Semitism this spring and going into the early summer and seeing very little in the mainstream media about it, very little, uh, serious things. And, and when there wasn't violence, there were threats of violence. And there weren't threats of violence. There were horrible things said and a general apathy towards it. When I saw that happening, I, 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 knew, I knew that not enough time was spent including myself, so I was partially to blame, uh, trying, to, trying to reach our natural allies. And when I say natural allies, that's, that's going to be folks that knows, know what it means to talk about civil rights, that know what it means to talk about colorism, that know what it means to talk about um, being seen as the other. Because while I am proud to be American and both my grandparents fought World War II, and I, I would say that all day, 
Um, at the same time, I know because I'm Jewish and because I'm Puerto Rican, there are people that will not, that don't accept me. Uh, and, 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 and they'll either, sometimes they'll tell you to your face, but sometimes they won't, but that's how they feel. And sometimes it's overt acts, which I've had happen to me. And sometimes it's not. And you just never knew why you didn't get that job or you never knew why that friend never, never called you back. But you felt why you felt why sometimes you, sometimes, you know, but, but people don't talk about it. So what, what we did here and what we're doing right now is so basic community building. And it's, it is, I've. I'm reaching out to the different, what we call affinity bar associations. So the Puerto Rican bar association, the Hispanic national bar association, the Asian bar association, the black bars, there's a few black bar associations uh, and, and, and there's more and there's more. Uh, and it's a simple thing. Many of them, just because it's not on their radar, it's not in their Facebook feed. And there's a lot of reasons for that. That has nothing to do with any blaming anybody. But there's a lot of folks that just don't see what's going on and how this is a very scary time for their Jewish friends and family. Uh, and it's a real thing. So what I what I set out to do is I set out to explain it, to approach them because they know me, explain it, explain why all we would like is simply a public statement supporting the Jewish community here in America. No foreign policy statements. No policy statements on geopolitical issues in the Middle East. That is not what we're asking for. Uh, uh, in fact, that's not what it's about. There have been attacks, threats, and people trying to hurt. And, and when they're not trying to hurt, there's a lot of people that don't think it's a big problem, even when you show them it's a problem by the statistics. So we reached out. We are reaching out. It's an ongoing effort. And we've seen some great results from our from our from our allies that I knew were allies, but now they've put themselves out there. Uh, these organizations of professionals of color and other minorities of color, uh, they put themselves out there with what I thought were strong statements, being very clear: this is a civil rights issue. This is something that anyone who believes in uh, our freedoms in Canada and in America uh, should agree with. Nobody should be threatened for basis on their perceived religion. Uh, based on their outward appearance, based on their ethnicity or their national origin. And and the success we've seen so far, we've had a number of public statements uh, shot out on social media and on and, 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 and sent to their thousands and thousands of people on their listserv. And there's many more to come. So the next time we talk, I'll have a, a larger list. Fantastic. That's fantastic, Matt. I mean, the last thing I'll say is just this making statements didn't seem like such an important thing a year or two ago. I would have said, ah, what, what's that about? I, that's nice. It's performative, whatever. That's not the way it is now. There is such a strong, it's in the media, it's in some of our politicians' mouths. There's dog whistling going on. There's appealing to the worst ideas on both the right and the left here in America of, of, uh, that go to anti-Semitic uh, thoughts, uh, and, and also other folks know exactly what I mean. So that's happening. So the statements matter. These organizations that represent people, when they put themselves out there saying, the Jewish community should be supported and shouldn't have to deal with this and we stand with you, that means a lot right now. So, and it, and it, and it shows us and it heartens us that we do have allies that, that believe that Jews, just like everybody else, whether they're black, brown or white, uh, deserve the same civil rights and the same freedoms and safety that we should have walking in the streets. Fantastic. Because, you know, I, I, I am one of those people who used to think about statements because, as you know, there were a ton of statements put out last year um, around the George Floyd murder. And it was just like, OK, enough statements and, and blacking out of profile pics and all that other stuff. So for me, it's heartening because I think you've also you have put another element in it that wasn't there with the statements of last year. The statements of last year I felt were being done by just, just because, right? By rote, whatever. I feel that the work that you're doing because the statements that you're getting are coming from a place where there is a relationship and you touched on something that has been missing um, in terms of the Jewish community connecting with other communities. And it's that relationship. Um, we, the Jewish community, were very quick to say, so-and-so isn't supporting us and, and you need to make, but have not 
gone to where the people are and got to and have and got to know the people and for the people to know us and you have you're doing the work to build that bridge you know and it goes back to how civil rights used to be right it was a relationship between the leaders of the community they ate together they talked together they got to know each other absolutely look what you just said is absolutely true with the civil rights movement for black americans uh that went on for years and then culminated in the 60s i mean the jewish community was all up in that uh (laughs) our biggest all our biggest leaders made it their missions like i'm thinking of rabbi heschel and others Mm -hmm. uh our thought leaders of the time and and still to this day the greatest uh mass arrest i mean we're proud of this the greatest mass arrest of rabbis ever in american history was when Martin Luther King wrote a letter to to a number of rabbis saying, we need you in St. Augustine, Florida. We need you now. They all went and they helped uh, and they they did an organization. They all got arrested. That's still the largest mass arrest of rabbis. And I'm I'm proud of that. Uh, I'm proud that. And it's so, yeah, you need the bona fides, but not the bona and what and what and what the Jewish community did in terms of uh, was was not a gift was not a gift. Okay. Uh, people say, oh, the, the Jews were, 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 were noble in what they did with the civil rights movement. That's absolutely incorrect. What it was, was that was, th- that's part of them. It's part of them. It's our history. It's our history to see our neighbors in pain and not getting what they need. We are commanded to do that. We are, even if you're not, even if you just look at uh, the, the Torah and the Bible as uh, good ethical rules you might want to follow, it's right there. And, and it's right there. So we know what it's like uh, in our own ways uh, to to have to have uh, injustices, uh, lack of protection under the law, and certainly societal uh, and certainly greater society uh, hate. Uh, so those Jews that that marched and 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 made it their mission were not doing it as a gift. They were doing it because they saw this is their this is part of them as well. So what we're trying to do now is the same thing. It, we, we can't rest on our laurels of any bona fides from the 60s. I didn't exactly, do that. Exactly, exactly. I didn't do that. I have to do something now. And all the other Jewish community members have to do something now. Real, honest, maybe dirty. And I don't mean dirty. I just get your hands dirty, like yes. do something. And that's how you make friendships. That's how you take stock in who your allies are, allies are who your potential allies are. And not only can you do things together, but you just might you just might find that your allies want to help you when when you have those relationships and you demand and you should demand nothing. Nothing should be demanded. Instead, instead, they get to know you and you tell them what you need. You tell Mm -hmm. them what's happening. You are correct. And it is correct to say that you do not hear in either in the media or from, you know, influencers, people who, who, who have, who have a pulpit, you don't, you don't hear enough support for the Jewish community right now. You hear it after a big shooting, like, yeah, you don't want people just supporting you when there's a bunch of dead Jews around. You want people supporting you when we're alive and we're scared and we have, and, and we're your friends and we're allies in a meaningful way. So it goes both ways. Absolutely. that is why everyone needs to do this but you can't just do it in one day. You have to literally, you, you have to literally spend time and be, and be a mensch with people and not, and not, and not just, and, and not just show up one day and say, Hey, we need you to, support. why won't you support the Jewish community? Well, we don't know you. Yeah. Who are you? Could, they yeah. might answer. Yeah. Right. Who are you? So, yeah. So get to know them, get Matt, to know them. Matt, you have, I'm, I'm really hanging on to what you're saying because I look, you know, I've been to uh, a few seminars on, you know, our government seminars on anti-Semitism and, and things like that. And I keep thinking about the way we even in Canada are approach uh, how we are dealing with the anti-Semitism that is rising and we are doing exactly the opposite. You know, we are making these demands and we are not getting to know who we're speaking to. 
And because we, you know, it may be as simple as, like you said, they, they don't know who we are. And they may be holding misconceptions, half-truths about us as a Jewish people, which they'll never get to know the truth unless we're having those conversations or building those relationships. And that's how things, that's how bad things take root, is that when you don't know the other person and you just make assumptions about the other person or you just say look I don't know you I'm not going to help you I don't know you I got my own stuff going on not recognizing we could help each other and build this amazing relationship now is a is a difficult time um but it's the right time to be doing this because a lot of Jewish people are are like just seeing what's happening every day seeing the rhetoric and they're saying to themselves why are people so afraid to just make simple statements in support of the Jewish community. We've seen some really bad statements that mm. seem to uh, kitchen sink every issue into their statement supporting Jews. We had that. A, we had that yeah. here. Yes. Yeah. And it was not impressive. Or, <laughs> or to use a term that I think everyone understands, all lives mattering, yep. the Jewish issue. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not helpful. That's not helpful at all. As a matter of fact, it diminishes it. I almost wish you didn't say anything at all. Uh, so we have to draw a line in the sand and say, and say, you know, forget about the, the party politics, because I'm going to tell you right now, everybody's guilty of this. Okay. And, and it's, so it, it's almost not worth even getting into it. Oh, it's the right doing it more. It's the left doing it more. They're all doing it more. They're all doing it more. So whoever you are and whoever you talk to, whoever you spend more time with, whether you're conservative and those are your circles or you're, you're more progressive, uh, uh, whatever it is, there's a problem amongst your friends and your colleagues. 100%. That they don't. They, they can't even say anti-Semitism is bad. Jews don't don't deserve to get threatened or beat up in the street without having to mention the word Israel or Palestine. That that's a serious problem. Yep. And you have to break it down and say, why can't you just simply state? We support you. You deserve rights. You should not be attacked for being who you are. Uh, the fact that we're in this place right now where people think that it means supporting Jews means supporting a foreign country is scary, dangerous, and uh, and is exactly why we're at the, the cusp of things getting worse if we don't turn it around, if we yeah. don't turn around. My wife told me, uh, just briefly, uh, my wife's a Cuban Jew, mm -hmm. and uh, she has a lot to say on this too, but she told me, she's like, you know what's happening right now, the rhetoric, the ignoring of what's going on against the Jewish community and the fear that organizations and people have about simply writing on Twitter, I support the Jewish community, I'm sorry to hear them getting beaten up in the street or something like that. And then they get attacked on Twitter just for saying that. Uh, my wife told me, well, that's like, that's like right before the Nuremberg laws. Like in Germany, before the Nuremberg laws, you had to create an othering. You had mm -hmm. to create a situation where it was okay to treat a group of people differently socially. Right. And then once it's not an outrage to see them mistreated, you can then legislate against those people. And then we all know what happened after the Nuremberg laws. Yes. So yes. I, I thought, you know, my wife had That's a great chilling. idea there. And I and and it scares me because she's absolutely correct. So we are on the precipice of that without sounding too alarmist. We have plenty of time to turn it around because we have a lot of natural allies. We just mm -hmm. have to do our job. We just have to work. Yeah, that's that's chilling because your your wife is not. Oh, I got the chills because your wife is not incorrect. Even if you look at the environment around us and the economics of the, and all that stuff that's going on around us, it's almost like wash, rinse, repeat. You know, and and when people, I do find it extremely frustrating when people do tie in Israel to what's happening to us. And I, and I think to myself, yeah, but you know, before the reestablishment of the modern state of Israel, there was still anti-Semitism. It's, 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 it's the oldest form of hatred. So don't try and tell me it has anything to do with a slip of land. That's just Abs your absolutely, excuse absolutely. this time, but don't tell me it has anything to do with a strip of land. And look, these conversations, look, these conversations have to happen. And sometimes I, people ask me, like, what's going on in Israel? Why is this happening? All I hear about is mistreatment of, 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 of the Palestinians in the West Bank or Gaza or the Israeli Arabs uh, in, in, in Israel proper. And uh, the answer is uh, there is no straight 
answer doesn't involve a complex examination of every issue, just like any country. Absolutely. Okay. There's racism, there's colorism amongst Jews in Israel, and there's colorism and othering amongst Jews in Israel and amongst Jews, Arabs, and Christians in Israel. They have the same problems everybody Absolutely. has. Uh, where we draw the line and where I think the the, in, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance IHRA definition of what anti-Semitism is involves the uh, the complete uh, uh, irrational and unreasonable criticism of Israel is because uh, if you can talk about you know your your legitimate issues with the country, a policy, a politician, uh, uh, that needs to happen. That needs to happen every day. And if you've ever spent any time reading Israeli newspapers, you know it happens every hour. Yes. Uh, by the Israeli. <laughs> by them themselves. It's a very, you want to see democracy in action, freedom of press. I think they have it as good as anybody. But my point is this. My point is that is that uh, uh, it's not about Israel, but how certain people talk about Israel can make it about Israel in the sense that it shows blatant anti-Semitism. Right. Someone comes up to me and says, look, I just don't care for Israel's policies. I love Jews. You deserve civil rights. I don't know how I feel about Israel. I'd be like, well, that's fine. Sounds like you're generally an ally. Sounds like you're generally an ally. We can work on the reasons why Israel needs to exist for a, a pragmatic purpose and the basis for where for where it was created and why it's still needed. We could talk about that, and maybe that'll take another year or two, and maybe we'll never agree on that. But if you, but if, but a, a true ally won't focus on it. A true ally won't won't make their disdain for an Israeli policy and hold it against the worldwide Jewish community. Exactly. Okay? And then try to treat us differently or think it's okay for us to be treated differently. So that's a real ally. That's a real ally. Yeah, because we saw a lot of that over the last conflict where I was even posting. Tell me again how um, it's not about people's views on Israel. So if 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 it was about Israeli policy and only Israeli policy, then please tell me why people on Jews on the streets of uh, downtown Toronto are being spat on, yelled at, cursed out, whatever. You know, yeah, don't, don't why, it's like, yeah. really? Really? Yeah. And and if it was about like exactly. And if it's about, you know, uh, and I'm not gonna get into the different um uh, plans and 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 aspirations of the Israeli and Palestinian people to live side by side, which I think needs to happen. Uh, I, without getting into that, uh, you see, um, you know, attacks against the undisputed portions of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, why 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 is my friend and his family in Netivot have to think about uh, missiles coming over and hitting them in the face, where that is not disputed territory exactly. based on international law or based on any reasonable interpretation of such. Exactly. Uh, and the same thing with the BDS movement. You know, uh, I have a lot of, you know, very smart academic friends, mm-hmm. uh, without being rude, they're academics. And, and <laughs> you know, in an, in an academic standpoint, I think you can, you know, you, you place yourself in a bubble and you say, okay, you're really, you're really, you're really into, uh, you know, uh, pulling Israeli troops and, and any control out of the West Bank. Okay, you're into that. And you, th- and you think, whether it's true or not, that that'll fix the problem. That's fine. If you really believe that and that, and, and, and to do that, you know, you're going you're gonna to do whatever you can to not uh, uh, be involved in anything in the West Bank uh, or Judea and Samaria. Uh, okay. And, and then, but, but, and that's the why. That's the reason why you're doing it. You're not doing it because you hate Israel or you think the whole country should disappear. Or you think all the Jews should go back somewhere. I'm not sure sure where. Because more than 50 percent of of the Trying Jews in Israel, they're brown and they're from Arab countries that kick them out. That kick them out so, exactly. So they're not going anywhere. So you know, my point is, is that if that's really how you feel, I think you're like one percent of the people who support VDS. The overwhelming majority of it is an over over is a complete delegitimization and denormalization. So what does that mean? People who don't even want to speak to Israelis, people mm-hmm. who don't even want to come to the table and discuss, clearly they have to speak. Clearly Israelis and Palestinians have to speak about their problems and how they're going to move forward. But these folks just want like an iron wall, uh, like, a, like a cold war where like you, there's no discussion. And that's just, that's not acceptable in any way. Uh, you, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's not acceptable because it will not bring about a better result for the Palestinians will not bring up a better result for the Israelis. And we all know this. Mm-hmm. Anybody knows this. So the folks that still try to push boycott, divestment, and sanctions and delegitimize Israel, I assume that they have an issue with Jews generally 
because uh, if they didn't, they would be more nuanced and reasonable with their criticism, which by the way, I'm very happy to have those reasonable criticism conversations. Absolutely, spot on, beautifully said, Um, because we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of that, whether it's Ben and Jerry's, I think it's the latest. (laughs) Just, uh, which I've never actually had before. I've never actually had the ice cream. One last, one one thing on this is that like, where the issues of Puerto Rico and Israel meet is you have to go back to how the when israel was founded how they were founded how very limited resources they had when they were founded and how they built a country and by the way the israeli government and israeli ngos for years have been working with puerto rican with puerto ricans on the ground in israel uh uh, uh, Israel has been there since all the hurricanes, uh, and 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 the governments themselves. Israel is an N- NGO of mostly Israelis that go into disaster areas and help. Uh, but the Israeli government, as well, has been helping not just with uh, money, uh, but also with uh, uh, technology know-how. So, for instance, when I was the president of the Hispanic National Bar Association Region Two in New York, we did a very nice event where we brought in Israelis and Jews for an investment seminar in Puerto Rico. So we brought in some entrepreneurs and government officials at a law firm, and they presented uh, all the reasons why Jews, Israelis, Americans should open up their next factory in Puerto Rico. The natural resources there are ripe to grow tobacco, to grow vanilla beans, to grow other agriculture. That is not the case in the rest of America, right? Because Puerto Rico has a rainforest and a lush area. That's an example of, and then they've been bringing the water desalination process there. Uh, That's been going on for a while because Puerto Rico, after every natural disaster, has a serious water shortage. Serious. Uh, So, and, and then, and then, basically, uh, when you know Israel was 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 scrounging and had to make do with what they had—no oil, no no yeah. nothing—in the beginning, Puerto Rico was in a similar spot where there's been no infrastructure, no development for so long. So we need people who see the dream that of what Puerto Rico can be. Uh, the, the U.S. Congress may or may not do what they're supposed to do, but in the meantime, we need the private individuals. And from my perspective, Israelis and Jews. Uh, and Puerto Ricans from the diaspora try to, it's my dream to create a a birthright type program for Puerto Ricans in the diaspora for Puerto Rico. So a lot of Puerto Ricans in New York have never been to Puerto Rico, or they've only been a couple of times or when they were a kid, and they just don't feel connected to it. Just like a lot of Jews don't feel connected to Israel. And sometimes all it takes is going there, meeting people, doing some community work, seeing what the issues are on the ground. It was my dream to one day create a birthright Puerto Rico, essentially, uh, something like that, maybe a summer program for youth. So they could go to Puerto Rico and they see this is where your mother, your grandmother came from. And this is why you should support it financially and also uh, and, and socially and, and politically uh, to, to go to your congressperson and, and, and really put it on them saying, why are you not part of the solution towards the, co- you know, the decolonization of Puerto Rico? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of connections between Puerto Rico and Israel that I think are real. And so it, it's, it's just a great marrying of, of interest for me. And I think it's ongoing getting uh, the investment and the political support for Puerto Rico. Last thing, uh, last thing. Yeah, no, this, this is awesome. Um, this is awesome. New York State does an event in Puerto Rico every year called Somos El Futuro. So basically, we are the future. Uh, and all the companies go there. All the politicals go there. Uh, you know, it's 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 both part fun, but it's also part making deals, making business deals, making political deals. The only government that's not the America that has shown up for at least five or six years is the Israeli government. They show up to Puerto Rico for the New York State Conference because it's important. And they sponsor an event. I spoke at one of the events. And the connections, people get it. Israelis get it. They see what's going on in Puerto Rico. This is, they're having some of the same issues that they had in the beginning. And, and, and so, so I think it's very telling that the Israeli government sees that, sees the connections. And not even Mexico's there, not even the Consul General of Mexico. You think they might go to yeah. that, but the Israelis go. And that's just heartening. I didn't start that. I was just happy to be part of it. Uh, and, uh, and, and these are just all ways that we can be Puerto Ricans. 
can 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 connect with Jews uh, and and Israelis on the issue of Puerto Rico. I truly feel that, and uh, and and of course, other communities, if they took a few moments to think about some of our common goals. That's fantastic. I didn't know I didn't know about that connection with Puerto Rico and Israel, other than assisting in times of need. But to hear that it is an, a deep and ongoing relationship is amazing. So Matthew, Matt, thank you so much for being my guest. You have you have actually you've inspired me. I, I think one of the most important things I got out of our conversation is the fact that you are working so hard and you understand the concept of building relationships between our communities, whether it's the Puerto Rican and Jewish community, whether it is the Jewish community and every other community to really build relationships so that we can continue forward in this work that will benefit all of us. So I think that is a huge takeaway for myself and our audience. I thank you for coming on. If there's anything that I want to touch base later and find out how things are going with your endeavors, if you would allow me that pleasure. And again, thank you so much for being our guest. Rivka, thank you very much for having me and allowing me to share some ideas with you and uh, also learning about your opinions on this topic. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're all gonna get out there and do the work. And uh, and thank you for putting me on your program, uh, which could only help uh, get the word out on what uh, all of us have to do. Absolutely, and we will get that word out. It is an awesome model of partnership. So thank you. Shalom. Shalom. Thanks for listening to Riv Kush. Our producer is Michael Freeman, music by Westside Gravy, and I am Rivka Campbell. You can find us at thecjn.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and leave a review. Thanks. It's time we talk about more than just the tragedy, the hardship we've overcome and the savagery. It's time we focus on what's woven in the tapestry, the roots that connect us to our truth and the canopy. Of every single branch of our tradition A story that's been told and those yet to be written A tale of persistence and account of achievement All across the globe, every single place that them leaves went Scattered in the wind, never scattered too thin To remember where we come from and the gold that's within Zahav Yerushalayim, Asur Lishkoach Hakdushat Ha'aretz, Shenoten Lanu Koach Scattered in the wind, never scattered too thin To remember where we come from and the gold that's within